Morning everyone, Tuesday 26th of July. Marcus, you are fresh off the back of your education event seminar yesterday. How did that go? Good, Chi-Chi. Uh, thanks for hosting today, Chi-Chi. In Ben's absence, it's Ben's birthday today. Oh, uh, the education birthday, seminar went well, although I have had a rat test this morning because I woke up with a sore throat. I'm not used to talking for so long. Turns out I am not a rat. But it went very well. I've had one email from one of the attendees today. Said, great day of frank information. No get-rich-quick scheme. No trust me. I understand the market and your needs better than you do. No, you are smarter than the market. It is easy. You are providing, and this is, you know, I mean, I could have written this myself. You are providing a marvellous service to the investment community, which is appreciated. The newsletter in this seminar is the best stock market investment I have made in 20 years. I think 20 years would be a bit short, but that's okay. Uh, so we'll take that. Thank you very much, Paul, for that. And today, I'll do overnight today. Please go ahead. Overnight, we had Dow Jones up 91. Bit of a late rally. Futures this morning were up 24. I don't think we're up at quite at that much this morning, but the Nasdaq was down 0.43%. So you've got technology at the bottom of the pile and it just takes the momentum out of this recent relief rally we've had because that's been led by tech and consumer spending and those sectors at the bottom of the performance table today. And late after hours, Walmart has announced results. The share price is down 9% in after hours and Amazon is down 4%. Target's down 4% and most of the other big retailers have dropped as well. So we might not start the night tonight terribly well in the US on the back of consumer stocks dropping on the back of the Walmart result. Walmart are complaining about inflation hurting consumer spending and mortgage rates going up and having to discount because they've built up inventories for the pandemic or post-pandemic boom and now they've got to offload them. Interestingly, I think Tom will tell you about Myers sales numbers or update today. The stock's up 12%. It's good, and JB Hi-Fi had a good set of preliminary results last week. Seems our retailers are still basking in the cash from the pandemic boom, and the US seems to be ahead of the curve on us, seeing the retail spending coming down the other side. So we'll see how our results, but you would say we had a bit of results risk in retail, but doesn't seem to be turning up yet. Otherwise, oil price up 2.1%, iron ore price up half a percent, BHP and Rio leading the market a little bit today. As the US dollar goes down, commodity prices go up. Bond yield off the top a little bit, which suggests recession fears are creeping back in a bit. And part of that might well be the Russian Gazprom utility telling Europeans that they are going to be halving the supply down the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline from Wednesday. And there are some suggestions that depending on what happens with sanctions, Putin could cut supply altogether in the middle of winter just to grind Europe down. Anyway, a bit of a risk on the NG front from that. Otherwise, things coming up. We've got the FOMC meeting on Thursday morning our time. There is a 78% chance of a 75 basis point rise. Still a 22.5% chance of a 100 basis point rise. We'll see what they do, but it doesn't seem the market's going to do much ahead of that. We've got lots of US results this week. We've got US GDP on Thursday. We've got European GDP on Friday. We've got 
Macquarie's AGM on Thursday, Rio's results tomorrow, and a bunch of production numbers as well. So plenty going on this week, which just keeps everybody backed off a little bit from doing anything too brave. Thank you very much, Marcus. And Tom, how is that affecting our market? Thanks, Cheech. Well, as Marcus pointed out, not doing as well as what the futures had indicated. We're up 10 points. Caution setting in ahead of the Fed decision and those big US tech earnings. We have energy and miners outperforming. Most sectors are in negative territory, though, weighed down by consumer stocks and technology. Gold miners, Regis Resources and Perseus Mining down between 1% and 2% on quarterly updates. Maya, the standout today, they are up around 15%, said they expect profit around 11% higher this year compared to last year. Woolworths Group is down 2% on their chair, Gordon Cairns retiring, and the banking regulator has had their chairman step down as well, so a new chairman for APRA on the cards. Weekly consumer confidence was up last week, and that follows another improvement the week before, so two positive weeks on the trot. And the best headline this morning was the White House has adjusted its definition of a recession, and that's coincidentally just in time for the GDP reading, which is expected to reveal a 1.6% for over the quarter. So good timing from the White House there. Thank you, Cheech. Thank you very much, Tom. And Leighton, anything from the brokers? Yes, thank you, Cheech. I've got a couple to go through this morning. Eagers Automotive, that's APE, was upgraded to outperform at Credit Suisse, and this comes after some macroeconomic changes to the global automotive markets. The broker believes that the company is in a good position to benefit from improvements in the global automotive supply chains, and notes that Eagers didn't over-earn during COVID, but rather experienced high margins. So the idea that they've got there is that strong demand and the ability to maintain strong margins will assist in earnings growth. The broker has increased earnings forecasts for FY22 and 23 by around 8% for both of them. The target price has increased to $14.50, which implies around a 17% upside. And South32, that's S32, had results yesterday that were considered by Credit Suisse to be solid. Weather impacted production, but sales were boosted by inventory sell downs. Credit Suisse has retained its outperform recommendation but lowered its target price slightly to $5.30, which implies a 49% upside. And Morgan says that they see a good buying opportunity on an attractive forecast FY22 dividend yield, which I had a look before, which is just under 5% for the final dividend. And the broker has retained its ad recommendation and lowered its target price slightly to $6, which implies a 69% upside. Thank you, Chi Chi. Thank you very much, Leighton. And we have no Henry today as he's travelling back to Sydney from the education event. Marcus, you have something there? Yes, uh, just to say, Henry has written Henry's take in the airport today, so you can have a look at that. He's written about Zip and where to from here. Zip, of course, has gone up something like 50% in this relief rally. And as Henry says, it's got a long way to go to win back investor faith. Rome wasn't built in a day, and you can't buy buy now, pay later, unless you're an aggressive investor at this point. I'm not sure I'd be buying ZIP. I'm not sure I'd be buying zip at this point. Henry also has a bit of a write-up of our education day yesterday and was obviously particularly taken with Stuart McPhee's presentation. We might see more of Stuart McPhee and Marcus today. I think he was very impressive. He uses Metastock, has done for over 20 years. Stuart's ex-army, by the way, so very disciplined and a very good presentation. And Henry was obviously clearly impressed by it. He says he hasn't quite been converted to the dark side. 
technical analysis, but it was very interesting to watch what Stuart has set up on Metastock and how he uses it. And one of the things that I was particularly taken by was which agreed with someone that I played golf with the other day who was a Westpac fixed interest derivatives trader, taking huge positions. He'd been at Westpac for over 20 years taking huge positions and he was saying that one of the ways they trade fixed interest was to look at volatility and there were times when volatility ripped up and you just had to exit positions or make positions smaller because of volatility. So volatility was really the focus of Westpac's big derivatives trading in fixed interest and Stuart picked up on the same thing and had the average true range of the say all ordinaries index and showed that every time it spiked the market fell over and it only ever spikes in hindsight but it's a bit like watching the VIX volatility index it's a gauge of fear and greed and there are times when you should probably exit the market and times when volatility does peak and starts to come off that you should think about buying the market so you've got to buy when others are fearful and he had the chart of the average true range of the All Ordinaries Index and how it had spiked recently and was now coming off the top. So it was an interesting look at how to gauge how much risk there is in the market. And I think we might adopt that. I might write some formulas on Metastock for us or maybe even get Stuart to do it for us. And we will see. But very interesting look at technical stuff. Look out for Stuart McPhee in Marcus today. You can already buy one of his courses in our back end on technical analysis and there is I think a free one as well and that was Henry's take. Thank you very much for that Marcus. Tom you're with the idea section. I am I'll just say Chris isn't able to join us but he's looking at ASX Limited in his chart of the day the stock pushing up to a major resistance point at $87 so one to look out for there and I am looking at Brickworks and my headline is Brickworks building into results they upgraded guidance on Friday, results due on September 22. The share price has bottomed, brokers like it. Macquarie notably lifting EPS forecasts by 18% for this financial year. Results likely to be buoyed by their industrial joint venture trust developments. They sold a 50% interest to Goodman Group and higher earnings from its building products segment in Australia, which is its biggest revenue contributor. And interestingly, I jumped onto the ABS website, which showed building activity data is actually quite strong and almost unchanged from March 2020 levels and if margins have been maintained the one issue in their update was that they didn't talk about passing on costs they did talk about higher costs but they didn't talk about passing on costs which I imagine they are but it would have been a nice bit of confidence in the company if they commented on that and if margins have been maintained there's some more upside risk heading into results there Chi Chi. Thank you very much for that, Tom. And Marcus, back to you for strategy. Uh, No, I had a couple of ideas as well. One of them I've already mentioned, just be aware that Rio and Macquarie both have announcements this week. Rio results tomorrow, Macquarie's AGM coming up on Thursday. And you always got to watch the odd broker who stands out from the crowd and has a different opinion. And running into that set of results from Rio and the AGM from Macquarie, one broker on each has suddenly gone negative just ahead 
ahead of those announcements. One of them suggesting that the iron ore price has been coming off, Rio's cash flow has taken a dive and the outlook isn't great. The other one suggesting that Macquarie's seen the pipeline of M&A placements, IPOs, corporate deals dry up and that will be reflected in their guidance as well. So they would need to get over both those hurdles I think before buying too enthusiastically. The other mention is in the education piece in the middle of one of the breaks yesterday I asked members who were at the education seminar if anyone had a favorite stock so we could have a look at it on Thomson Reuters or Refinitiv as it's now called and I got shouted out the code NEU which is neuron I imagine I've mispronounced that neuron pharmaceuticals uh, which interestingly on the stock box is going from making a loss to a PE of 200 odd next year and then a PE of can you believe it about six times so the forecasts are for a huge increase in transformation from loss to profit over the next couple of years and the share price when we looked at it was 430 it closed the day at 490 and I don't think there's any news so you've got to be careful what you talk about at Marcus today especially if it's completely illiquid I imagine one of our members was sitting there with his super fund millions tapping away on his phone <laughs> pumping the price up anyway interesting any you might be worth a look for some of you it's sort of held the game today and I'm sure there was something other than us talking about it going on in the background no real strategy today more observations more recognition that we've got a lot of macro signposts coming up in the next few days and we might just wait for those to get out of the way before getting too convicted about buying or selling anything at the moment we are in cash happy to remain that way we'll see what comes along one of the things I thought that would lift the market would be this Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline opening up the oil price is 18% off the top now the natural gas price at one point was down 30 percent off the top they've just started going up again as Russia looks like it might just as uh, Europe or European politicians describe it they might just be in open energy war with Europe and may really turn the screws in winter so suddenly we're worrying about the energy prices going up in which case inflation isn't going to come down in which case we may not have seen the peak yet in which case we might have to worry about higher rates and recession for a bit longer we will see but that energy complex clearly very important to the whole market or macro assessment at the moment. Well, there's a dicey game for Russia to play that energy war because they also need the income for their purposes so they can't go too hard. Absolutely. I think at this point it's Putin's rhetoric. We will see. And I don't know whether you've realised that a third of the world's grain comes from Russia and Ukraine. And when the war started, Ukraine mined its own ports so that Russian ships couldn't get in. And the Black Sea fleet of Russia is sitting outside Ukrainian ports, stopping any ships coming out. And this week, the first grain shipment or the first ship out of Ukraine will supposedly be guided through the minefields and past the the Black Sea fleet and allowed to come out. But you can see why that is an, an inflation pressure as well. The whole war is a pivotal issue for the equity markets at the moment because if that was to suddenly evaporate, you would see a peak on inflation and markets lift and recession fears go away. But no sign of that yet. Thank you very much, Chase, for that, Marcus. Back to you for the question of the day. Gigi, the question of the day today was the question they had on the ABC radio this morning when I was talking to Virginia Trioli, who was asking what is the most famous name in the world, and her suggestion was that it was Bond, James Bond, and she was talking about what 
watching a documentary about people called James Bond and how it had affected their <laughs> lives. And, and she's a very intelligent woman. She said she was absolutely engrossed in what had happened to people called James Bond. So, forget James Bond, what other name would be the most famous name in the world that you probably wouldn't want to be called? I think the most, I did hear this a couple of years ago, the most recognised name in the world is Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, is the famous soccer player. Right, so if your uh, parents were the Ronaldos, you really wouldn't want to be christened Cristiano. No, is that I'm, right? I'm not sure you would. No. Chi-Chi? Something like a Barack Obama, I think, would be quite recognisable, but mm. you would not want to be called Barack Obama. Or maybe, I don't know. So yeah, I'm going to go with Barack Obama. Very good. Another sporting one for me, I reckon Michael Jordan or LeBron James, something like that, you just definitely could not get away from. That's a good one. Michael Jordan would be pretty Michael yeah. Jordan, yeah. No, well, you, you've all missed it. What you don't want to be called is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we will leave it there. Thanks very much. In a reduced team today, I think we've done okay. Normal service will be resumed tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. I was playing golf at the weekend with one of my friends who has been listening to our morning meeting podcast for free for the past year and he was looking a bit sad and the reason he was looking a bit sad is because from the 1st of August the Marcus Today morning meeting podcast is going dark. We are putting it behind the paywall. It'll be for members only. Anyone who wants to continue listening to the Marcus Day Morning Meeting podcast should do themselves a favour and us a favour and subscribe. And just to tickle you along, if you send an email to info at marcustoday.com.au and be very nice to Will, Chi-Chi and Karishma, they may just give you a bit of a promo code. Give it a go.